All right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight, everybody? Amen. We are going to have a fantastic time together tonight getting into the Word of God. I'm excited because we're going to be studying Psalm 23 here in a few minutes. And that is just one of the, my favorite uh, chapters in Scripture. So it's going to be great. And uh, it's just great to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. We're going to have a good time. Um, let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. Because who believes that America is coming to Jesus? Yeah. Amen. We believe America is coming to Jesus and we're going to keep declaring these words of faith. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I'm going to have Mrs. Pastor do the announcements tonight. I'm going to be playing a little guitar because my brother Josh, uh, Pastor Josh, is out of town driving a U-Haul truck from Indiana to California. So anyway, I said I'd help him out. All right, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. you got to be instant in season and out of season, right? It depends on what hat you have on at a given time, right? Amen. All right. Okay, so for those of you who didn't hear, the missions uh, garage sale was a... Great success. They raised nearly $2,000, so that's good news. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And then this Sunday morning, Ruth and Julius Marar are going to be here. There are missionaries to, to India and Nepal. I know a lot of you have never seen them, met them. You are going to be absolutely in love with them. Julius laughs constantly, and uh, Ruth's just a beautiful woman, you know. So anyway, you're going to love them. Um, men's meeting Saturday, April the 1st. That's not this Saturday. It's April the 1st, 9 a.m. in Victory. And I'm sure you'll be hearing more about that. And then Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is coming up on the 9th of April. Wow, that's coming up quick. So I've heard that uh, we have um, eggs. I heard we have enough eggs, but we do need hard candy. So if you can do that. And then there's sign-up sheets back there if you would like to... Um, Stuff those eggs. Because I used to call it a scripture egg hunt, okay, because there's a scripture in every single egg, all right? Because we don't do anything around here unless the word's involved, correct? Amen. Because that's what we do, and this is just a tool to get the word into people's lives. So we need people to stuff those eggs, and then we also need a team to help, you know, hide those eggs out in the, out in the 13 acres over yonder there. So anyway, if you would like to do either one of those, that would be wonderful. Okay, Pastor, your turn. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What time is it? It's happy time because it's happy to be blessed of God. Amen. And the Bible shows us how. If you uh, need an envelope for your tithes, your offerings, hold up your hands. And we have lots of handsome ushers that love to serve you. And open up your Bibles. To Hebrews chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 11 and verse 12. 
verse 11 and verse 12. I'll give you a chance to get there. Amen. It always means so much more when you see the Word of God yourself with your own eyes and your own Bibles. It's just something about that the, that the Holy Spirit really causes it to become more real to you when you read it with your own eyes. Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm applying this to tithing. Verse 11 says, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Until the end. How many know that a race has a starting line and a finish line? Amen. Well, your, your Christian life started the day you asked Jesus into your heart. <clears throat> that was the beginning of your, <clears throat> excuse me, of your faith race. But your race is going to end someday. And when your race ends, it, one of two ways that I know of, either the rapture comes and Jesus calls you out of here the rapture, or you <clears throat> give up the ghost and you get to go to heaven while you're still living. Amen? And so anyway, he said that... Uh, you have to be diligent to the full assurance of hope until the end. And to me, that means that this is this is a marathon race, not a sprint. How many know difference? Well, there's a sprint driver right there. But anyway, how many know that, that uh, when you're in school sometimes, you do things like back when I went, they didn't have all these metrics and everything. We called it a 60-yard dash and a 100-yard dash. And that was a short one. I never was a cross-country runner or anything, but those little, those little quick dashes... I could do pretty good. I got some blue ribbons, but there was a long distance runner. This, what this talked about your Christian faith, you don't just tithe once and say, I'm a tither. It's your lifestyle. He said, be diligent to be a tither. And then I want you to see verse 12, be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And that patience part doesn't just mean waiting. That means being constant, be consistent in your Christian walk. You love people consistently. You praise the Lord consistently. You break your tithe to Jesus consistently. He said, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. And the promises, talk about your inheritance of Jesus, not only in heaven, but on earth. And the promises that we're talking about tonight is Malachi chapter 3. He makes promises to tithers that are faithful tithers. He says, I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out my blessing and... He said blessing, not blessings. Reason being, when you're a faithful tither, you live in the blessing. And with the blessing is this, God blesses what you set your hand to. He blesses the words out of your mouth. He blesses your actions. He blesses your life. And then in Malachi chapter 3, verse 12, he says, the result is people look at you and they say, Rodney, I just don't understand you guys. How, how do you guys do it? What are you doing? You're living in the same economy we are. How come you guys are never broke? How come you guys are still living the lifestyle you live and you're not in debt? And that's what Jesus said. He wants people to see us and call us blessed. Because when you're a Christian, you got a target on. And when people look at you and think, wow, these guys aren't depressed. They're not poor. They're not broke. They're not whining. What's the matter with these guys? And then they ask you, how come you're blessed? And that they're the ones they open the door. You say, well, I'll tell you why. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord of my life, and I follow after him. And then the doors open. So this whole thing, this whole thing is just simply follow the word of God. He said, be followers of them who through faith and patience. You keep on running your marathon, you run your marathon, you run your marathon, 
You have good seasons, you have bad seasons. Whatever the season is, it's always the same thing. Praise the name of Jesus, Lord. I bring my tithe to you. I worship you today, Lord. I worship you. I love you. And if the devil makes you think that, man, everything's falling apart, if it wasn't for bad luck, you'd have no luck at all. You just praise him and praise him and praise him. And the blessings, they just keep on coming. Amen. Amen. Do better preach than you are shouting. Well, let's stand up. Make our financial faith confession. Bring our tithes up to Jesus and our offerings. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, to give ministry in the kingdom of God, and both the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Join us up here at the altar, and let's praise the Lord on tonight, and worship Him together. It's always like springtime with you, making all
aren't we always amazed at how awesome God is? You know, it's the little things that he does in our life that mean so much to us. We know he can do the big miracles, but when he does the tiny little things that only you know and he knows, that's when he shows his power and his love for us. You may be seated. As Pastor Dave makes his way down here, I want to give a testimony of a little three-year-old who came up to me tonight, little Daisy Fisher, and she had come up here for prayer a week or two ago, and she came up to me, and I was sitting back there, and she said, I don't have any bad dreams. And that was her prayer request. She wanted me to pray for her because she was having bad dreams. And she came up and she said, I don't have any bad dreams. And I said, well, thank you, Jesus. You know, hallelujah. That's awesome. Here you go, Pastor Dave. you got your own mic. Well, good I do. You. All right. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't that a good testimony right there? You know, out of, from, a, from a little one. Is, I think it's great that the kids are learning to trust in Jesus at that age, right? And they've got a wonderful advantage uh, over what so many uh, had um, going into adult life because they already know to trust in the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God tonight, and I am really excited because we're going to be talking about Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Does anybody in here love Psalm 23 like I do? I don't believe that. That didn't sound too good. Does anybody love Psalm 23 tonight? Man, I love Psalm 23. My gosh, I can read it every single day. And it is because the Lord is my shepherd. And that's why you love it so much, too. If there's somebody where the Lord's not really their shepherd, they're like, yeah, that's a cute, you know, little thing to say. But when it's a truth statement out of your mouth, this means a big deal to you when the Lord really is your shepherd. And so we're going to open up tonight to Psalm 23, and I'm going to read it out of the King James because it's just so beautiful and poetic in the King James. And I, I love it in any, you know, any of the translations, but uh, Psalm 23. And every time that I talk about Psalm 23, I share this story that my dad used to share back when I was a kid, but there was a, a, a convention of ministers, of, of preachers, and, and so uh, they, they called one of the most uh, educated, highest theologians of the entire group that had his doctorate of divinity and blah, 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 and some of those guys, they know a lot, and that's impressive, but they've all got this, you know, this professional voice, like, Yes, sir. And so, uh, so they call up, you know, the, the big, you know, the big dude with all the degrees and everything, and he gets up to read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he goes, you know, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And he goes through all of his stuff, and by the time he, it's just six verses. I mean, you could read it, and not, not very long at all. By the time he finishes that sixth verse, the entire audience is asleep from boredom. And so, later on, you know, in, in the convention, they just have a, a young guy get up, the young preacher, and, you know, he's not super educated, he doesn't have 50 years of experience, but he gets up there and reads Psalm 23, and just out of his heart, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and he goes into it, and the anointing of God hits the entire audience, and God moves in a great big way. And people are like, well, what's the difference? Well, when the other guy got up there, the younger guy, the Lord really was his shepherd. So these verses meant something. 
And in our lives, you know, you may think like, man, I know this much scripture. I memorized all these so I could get the prize in Sunday school. And, and that's all great, man. You should, I mean, I'm all for it. But it doesn't really do you any good until you become a doer of the Word of God and until it really gets in your heart. And so I'll take somebody that, man, maybe they only know five or ten Bible verses, but they actually obey them over somebody that's memorized, you know, the entire first five books of the Bible, but they don't, they don't obey a single bit of it, right? And so the 23rd Psalm is beautiful. I would say it's the most famous chapter in the Bible. Um, you know, uh, I would say John 3.16 is probably the most famous verse, but I'll bet that the 23rd Psalm is probably the most famous chapter in the Bible. And there's a great reason for that. It's because it's so awesome. But we're going to read this tonight, and then we're going to break some things down uh, out of this, and we're going to look at what Jesus said in the New Testament also, because what Jesus said and what David said right here, they connect, and it's incredible for a New Testament Christian. So Psalm 23, verse 1, King James, let's go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I like the NLT, it says, I lack nothing. The Lord's my shepherd, I've got everything I need right there. I don't even need anything else. But look at this, verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I love Psalm 23. It's beautiful because I can relate to that, and so can you. The Lord really is your shepherd. He restores your soul. Who in here, man, you kind of had a messed up soul, and the Lord restored it? Yeah. Amen. He leads us in those paths of righteousness. You have been through the valley of the shadow of death, haven't you? But you didn't have to fear any evil because he was right there with you through it. He didn't call you to go through the valley and he stood on the top. Hey, I hope you make it through. No, he was right there with you, beside you and led you through that entire mess that you went through. He is incredible. And notice verse five, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Amen. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. And so I always ask, you know, we've always heard the question, is the glass half empty or is it half full. Well, guess what? My cup runneth over. Amen. It's not, it, it runs over. That's how good God is to me. And of course, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heaven is our home someday. Make no mistake about it. That's why you don't trip about all the stuff going on down here too much, because Anything you see here is temporary at the very best. None of this will last. It's all going to be burned up someday when the Lord destroys the earth of fire. You're like, well, what's that all about? Well, we'll teach on that some other day. Amen. So I want you to see something here, though, in the New Testament, John chapter 10. Let's flip there. And so David was a shepherd himself. And that's why he could write 
uh, Psalm 23 because he could relate to that. This is David simply speaking and writing to the Lord from his heart in terms that meant something to him. And I think it's incredible when you've got such a relationship with the Lord that you can talk to him in terms and in ways that, you know, that means something to you, right? And uh, and that's where David was at. He knew uh, all about the shepherd business, and the Lord knows all about the shepherd business, and so David could just speak freely with God that way. But I want to see what Jesus had to say all the way here in the New Testament, John chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 11 through 16, and this is the fourth time in the book of John where Jesus used the phrase, I am. And on this occasion, he says, I am the good shepherd. So let's see this. John 10, starting at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And isn't it strange how in every other religion you've got to kill yourself and sacrifice yourself to appease the gods? But in Christianity, the shepherd came and sacrificed his life for us. Isn't that incredible? Look at this, verse 12. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Who in here knows the shepherd? That's good news. And what's also good news is he knows you. You're not, you're not a stranger. You're not just some number in the system. He knows you and he calls you by name. Verse 15, just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Hey, I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And what's that referring to? Well, Jesus here in John chapter 10, he's talking to a bunch of Jewish people. And, you know, if you study the scripture, they had a super hard time comprehending that outsiders were going to be accepted into the family also. And so you see all over the gospels where Jesus is like, hey, there's others coming, guys, and they're going to be just as legitimate in the family as you are. And he kept telling them this, and they still struggled with that concept in the book of Acts, but they eventually got there. And so Jesus says, I have some other sheep that they're not in this sheepfold right here just yet, but hey, they're going to be, and they are going to be a part of the family. There's going to be one flock. How many Christian families are there? There's one. There's one flock. We all belong to the same flock. We may worship at different houses or, you know, different sheep pens or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, hey, we're all, we're all the body of Christ, the flock of God, the church of God, the family of God. And that is something that Jesus tried to stress over and over again. And so I love that Jesus said, hey, there's these other sheep coming and they're going to be just as big a part of the family as you are. They're not the second class sheep. They're not the extras. They're not the stepchildren. They are 
the, the sheep. <laughs> they are a part of this family just like you are. And I'm glad because, hey, I'm not Jewish by birth, so that really helped me out a lot. Amen? Because I didn't belong. <laughs> but he made me a part of the family. Amen? All right. So we're going to look at a few things here regarding a good shepherd. Because in John 10, Jesus uh, clearly made uh, the point that there's lots of shepherds out there. But not all of them are good shepherds. Some of them are even only in it for the money. And when an attacker comes, when an enemy comes, they run and leave the sheep on their own because they're like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. I'm out of here, man. And that's a sad place to be in. But it's the truth. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I I would die for my sheep. And we know that he eventually did. He did die for the sheep, but the good news is, is he didn't stay dead. Jesus is alive today. Amen. And so let's talk about a few things regarding a good shepherd. Number one, a good shepherd feeds. A good shepherd feeds the sheep. Now, as a grown adult, I'm responsible for eating. You know, uh, I've noticed with the kids, they just come in and say, I'm hungry. And they make weird noises. Your kids, they just, it's not even really words. They just make these weird grunts and noises and stuff. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm, is that, are you threatening me? What are you doing here? And so, you know, fortunately though, I'm not responsible as an adult for, for creating the food these days. A uh, hundred years ago, I had to grow the wheat, mill the flour, and then bake the bread. Today, I just got to go over, you know, and buy it somewhere. But I still have to put the food in my mouth and eat it. And so a good shepherd feeds the sheep. The sheep are not responsible for coming up with the food. The shepherd does that. Amen. And, 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 and the sheep are, are responsible for eating the food once he has led them to the food. And I was thinking about that today. And, you know, as a good shepherd, as a good uh, 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 parent, as a good, you know, pastor, you know, whatever, whatever the case is for you, that there's different foods that those in your care need at different times. Do you understand that? And, and so sometimes you need some food that is high in a certain vitamin, right? You know, I don't know much about that, but let's just say you're low in vitamin D. Whatever food has vitamin D, you know, anybody know that? Okay, there you go. And so let's say that, you know, that you were deficient in that. So a good parent, a good shepherd will have the sheep, the children partake of that particular food because that's what they really need right now, even if it's not what they really want right now. And sometimes, you know, the Lord's leading you to a certain passage of scripture and you're like, I don't want to hear about healing right now. I want to hear about, you know, such and such. Well, maybe God's leading you there because he knows an attack is coming down the road and you need faith for that. Amen. And then there's sometimes that, hey, my favorite, sometimes you just need some comfort food. And I'm not I'm not uh, telling you to uh, run to the loving arms of food uh, in your moment of need because that, you know, but at the same time, I believe that if you've had a rough day, sometimes you need a little comfort food and that'll just help you out a little bit. And I'm not opposed to that. And I see with the word of God that sometimes, man, when you've just kind of been going through it, there are portions of scripture 
that are just, they're comfort food for you. They bring you comfort. They bring you peace. They're not there to just, you know, uh, uh, give you hardcore instructions sometimes or, or give you a direction and you need to do this, this, and this. And there's verses like that and we need those. But what I'm saying is the good shepherd feeds the sheep and he knows what they need to eat right then for their well-being and for their health. And so sometimes he knows you need some comfort food. You need to read Psalm 23. And then sometimes you need a little bit of this vitamin or you need a little bit of, of this over here. And he will lead you to that because a good shepherd knows the needs of the sheep. And in your life, is the Lord your shepherd? He knows what you need right now. And I encourage you to listen and to partake of the food that he is feeding you and leading you to. Let's look at John 6, verse 35. You're already in in John, so let's just go to chapter 6 there. John 6 and verse 35. And so Jesus, he knows what you need because he's the good shepherd. John 6 and verse 35 And here we have another I am statement from Jesus. In fact, this is the first one out of the book of John. One out of seven. John 6 and verse 35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so... Jesus is the bread of life. There's a hunger inside of every one of us that only the bread of life can fulfill. You're not going to get that hunger satisfied through self-help books. Though those are good, and I encourage those, and I'm reading one at the moment. (laughs) But at the same time, I, I don't replace the Bible with that. All right? Only the bread of life can fulfill that desire in me. You're not going to get that, uh, that, that hunger satisfied by posting cheesy motivational quotes on the internet. Oh, sorry, I just shouldn't. You're, you're not going to get it through positive vibes and energies sent your way from your friends. You'll only get that void fulfilled by partaking of the bread of life. And there's some starving people. There's even some starving sheep. Man, I'm, I just, I don't know what's wrong right now. Uh, uh, and, and you're starving, man. Get something to eat. Yeah, well, I listened to this podcast this week and, and I read what they said and I blah, blah, blah. That's good, man. But th- you need the bread of life. You're going to starve to death over there, man. Partake of the bread of life and a good shepherd is going to lead you to that. How do you eat the bread of life? By reading your Bible. It says in John 1, verse 1, that Jesus is the Word. And so whenever I partake of the Word, I'm partaking of the bread of life. Because Jesus said that's exactly what He is. And that is, that, we gotta get that. And so Jesus later on went on to say, get, when He prayed, give us this day our daily bread. So that tells me I probably need to eat every day. Not, you know, he could have said, give us this week our weekly bread. Give us this month our monthly bread, for some. Give us this quarter our quarterly bread. Oh, it's almost Easter. Give us our annual bread at this time. No wonder you are starving and, you know, just going nuts. Listen, give us this day our daily bread. I 
am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. That's what you need right there. And he is the good shepherd. And so a good shepherd, no doubt about it, he's going to feed you. He's going to lead you to the food and you're going to be responsible for partaking of the food. He's not going to force feed it to you, right? And then number two, I'm going to tell you this, that a good shepherd waters. He will lead you to the water. And you know, there's the old saying, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Unless you're Chuck Norris, then you can actually do both. But at the same time, uh, he can lead you to the water, but you're going to have to uh, partake of that yourself. And so a good thing that a good shepherd will do is always find a good water source for the sheep. And remember, David said, he leads me beside the still waters. This signifies a peaceful, calm place. Now, if I'm dying of thirst, I'll take a raging river and get whatever I can out of it, right? But on the daily, on the daily side of things, I want peaceful streams, still waters to be able to drink from and enjoy. And, and, you know, the sheep, they're, they're very frightened type of animals. They're very temperamental. And so a good shepherd, he's going to lead them to peaceful waters. And it just seems to calm everything down. And I believe Jesus wants some of this time with you every single day. He wants to lead you Every single day to a peaceful place with still waters so you can restore your soul. Your soul needs restored every day. Well, what's your soul? Well, through a thorough breakdown of scripture, it's your mind, will, and emotions. You need that restored, I believe, every single day. And the good shepherd will do that for you. And he's going to lead you to the still waters. Now... If you're busy and have a bunch of kids, have a full-time job, run a business, whatever your life is, I can tell you that the still waters and the green pastures do exist. They do. But it's probably not going to be five hours of just laying there listening to worship and meditating all day long. Now, I know some people that live that life and it's incredible. I'm insanely jealous of them because I would love to do that. But my life doesn't allow for that. And I'm, and I know all of you guys too. I don't think any of you just have hours a day where you can just bathe and bask and not do anything else, listening to worship music and blah, blah, blah. All right. But here's the thing. It is possible for you and it is the will of God for you to every day go to the still waters and the green pastures. Now, for most of us, that's not going to be five or six hours. For a lot of you guys, probably especially moms, uh, it's going to be maybe 10, 15, I don't know if you're doing awesome, 30 minutes maybe of quality time with the Lord. Quality time. And I'll take 15 minutes of real quality time with the Lord over, you know, just hours and hours of not getting anything out of it. And so I'm just presenting that to you today that we read some of these verses and, and, and people are like, no, that sounds great, but <laughs> highly 
unrealistic for me. And I'm like, hey, listen, if you want to look at it that way, then go ahead. But it is possible for this to happen for you or else it wouldn't be in the Bible. And God didn't write the Bible way back in the day and say, oh, this is, I, I've got a work of art here. This is perfection. Oh, wait, but I forgot about Norma. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it's, uh, it's not going to work for her. Uh, no, it works for everybody, whether you're a mom with a bunch of kids or you're running a business or you're, you know, driving to Fort Irwin for hours a day, whatever your situation is, this is possible for you. The bread is provided. The water is provided. He'll lead you to it. He'll show you how to get there, but you're going to have to actually eat it and you're going to have to actually drink of the water. You're going to have to do something with this. And so I'll bet that if you ask the Lord, he would give you creative ideas on how you could have some time to be with him. I'll bet he could show you a few things you could trim off here or there to get some time with him if you if you genuinely want that. And uh, and so that's that's something for us to look at. Let's let's go ahead and turn to John chapter seven. John 7, amen. But man, if you could just have even 10 to 15 quiet minutes with Jesus a day, more is great, but if you can have that and soak it in, that living water would rejuvenate you in a way that is unlike anything else in this world. John 7, and we're going to look here going uh, down to verse 37. John 7. And verse 37, and we have Jesus here, you know, at this big festival, the festival of shelters. And his brothers have been giving him a hard time and making fun of him and blah, blah, blah. But here we go to John 7 and verse 37. It says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. And so this is a festival. It's like a fair. It's like, a, you know, something like that. There's vendors selling things everywhere. And Jesus stands up. Hey, if you're thirsty, come on over to me. And people are probably like, hey, this guy's selling Gatorade or something. But he really throws them a massive curveball right here and says this. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And they're like, what? Living water will come from their heart? And I'm telling you tonight, 2023, Jesus will give you living water and it will flow right from your heart. And the word heart, we know, means spirit. And so if you're feeling dry and thirsty right now, the good shepherd will lead you to living water and will rejuvenate your life. Amen. There's no need for you to be dying of hunger, be dying of thirst when it's all right there available to you. Now, we've determined that the bread, the food is the word of God. But I'm going to show you something here in the very next verse that really shows us what this water is. Verse 39, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. 
And so the living water that he's referring to right here is apparently not simply the Bible like the bread of life is. It's the Holy Spirit. And we've been preaching on that on Sundays. Has anybody been here for that? Okay. You need the Holy Spirit. You've got him. You've been born of the Spirit if you're a Christian. But it would rock your socks if you would be filled with the Spirit and if you would really learn about the Holy Spirit like we're trying to teach you and you could develop that relationship, that would change your entire life right there. And so I contend that the daily bread is the Word of God and the living water is spending some time with the Holy Spirit, either praying in the Spirit or praising and worshiping in the Spirit, but getting involved with the Holy Spirit Man, you will not be a dry Christian anymore. And side note, I've been to some very dry churches in my day. And (laughs) coincidentally, they've got Holy Spirit issues. They don't believe in any of this stuff. And they sidearm him and and stiff arm him. And and, well, we don't want any of that in here. And it's the driest place in the world. I go in there and I'm like... (laughs) And it's, it's awful. And I'm not, you know, I'm not making fun of them. I am actually making fun of them. But what I'm saying is this, is that, man... No wonder when you've got a spirit-filled church, hey, there's some fire, there's some energy, there's some excitement in there. We're not all dying of thirst up in here. We have got the Holy Spirit. Amen? Psalm 63, shall we? Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. Amen? we got the Holy Spirit. we got fire. we got the bread of life. And it's an exciting thing to be a part of. So Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. And we'll read this here in the New King James. Oh God, you are my God. I just want to do it once. I want to do it once. One time. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just did this Sunday. I was talking about how, you know, how I need to be serious. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm working on this. I want to get serious. I want to be a grown-up adult pastor someday. I'm going to get there. Praise God. I'm going to get there. I'm, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to be mature, and you guys are going to be so proud of me. All right, Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. And that's why I believe in getting up early, to seek the Lord. But that's between you and God. My soul thirsts for you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Amen. And so right here, David's, he's thirsty, not, not, not physically, but spiritually. And notice what does he do? He turns to praise in the Lord. And David lifts his hands up when he praises. And so people wonder why us crazy, spirit-filled Christian raise our hands when we praise God. Well, David did it, and that's a good enough reason for me. I don't need any other reason. I mean, I've got more. But if King David, I mean, man, the master of praise, the master of worship, this guy was a praiser and a worshiper. And if him under the Old Testament could lift up his hands to praise the name of the Lord, 
that's that's good enough for me. I want to be like David someday. And so that's what I'm going after right there. And so King David, he said, man, my soul is it's dry and it's thirsty right now. I'm going to bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And so I believe the good shepherd will lead you to the word for some bread so you're not so hungry and to the spirit for some living water. And then number three about a good shepherd, a good shepherd protects the sheep. A good shepherd will protect the sheep. Remember in in John 10, Jesus said that a hired hand will run when trouble comes. Jesus said a good shepherd won't run. That a good shepherd will give his very own life for the sheep. And we know that's exactly what Jesus ended up doing. But I want to take note of something else that Jesus said in John chapter 10. So let's go there one more time. John 10, and we're going to look at verse 4. John 10 and verse 4. And man, John chapter 10 is an incredible passage of Scripture. John 10. Wow. And we're very familiar in this church with John 10 and verse 10. Does anybody in here know what John 10, 10 says? Go ahead. I'm listening. (laughs) Amen. Good job, guys. (laughs) John 10. I mean, hey, we should all know that by now. We've been, we've been saying that verse nearly every service for 16 years that I know of. John 10. And we're going to look here in verse 4. And remember that Jesus is the good shepherd. He's not a shepherd. He's not just some cool dude. Jesus is, by his own definition, the good shepherd. And so check this out. It says, After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. And so people are like, well, I don't know the voice of God. I've, how would I know if he's talking to me? Well, are you one of his sheep? You should know his voice. And let me show you verse 27. Skip down to verse 27. Now, he says this a few other times in this chapter, actually, but let's go down to verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so one important characteristic of letting the Lord be your shepherd is you listening to his voice. Listening to his voice. The good shepherd protects and defends the sheep, even to the point of dying for them, as we've seen. But, you know, it's interesting that when something bad happens, oftentimes we ask and wonder, where was God? You know, everyone's probably asked that at some point. And I know certainly that people want to throw that on you. Where was the good shepherd? He may provide daily bread. He may lead me to living water and and the peaceful streams. But why didn't he protect me? And any time in my life, speaking from my own personal experience, when I've been tempted to think something like that, I can look back and realize that the good shepherd had been talking to me and warning me of danger and other trouble long before it ever actually happened. Now, you know, you may need to examine your life, but in my life, every time something crazy's happened, 
I could always look back and be like, oh, wait, that's why you were waving that giant red flag in front of my face and I, you know, pretended I didn't see it and I just walked through it anyway. Then notice he didn't say, my sheep know my face. My sheep know what I look like. No, my sheep know my voice. Now, God has a lot of ways of protecting us in these end times. We know that. He can send angels. He can do other miraculous things. But if the Lord is my shepherd, I need to realize that one major way that he's going to protect me is by me listening to his voice. Now, for the sake of time, we won't turn there, but you write it down. 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah the prophet was expecting to hear from God, if you're familiar with this story. He was on the mountaintop waiting for God. We're just waiting to the Lord speak to me. And a really strong wind came and blew through and tore the rocks off the side of the mountain. And after the wind, there was an earthquake that just shook everything up. It was a supernatural experience. And after the earthquake, a fire breaks out. And I mean, all this, all these, what we would think, wow, this is miraculous. This is an earth-shaking thing. This is spectacular. Yet after all these flashy, loud, spectacular things, verse 12 of 1 Kings 19 says, but the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. The Lord wasn't even in that fire. After all of these things, there was a still, small voice. Then NLT says it was a gentle whisper. Gentle whisper right there to Elijah's heart. And that's how God was speaking. And so, as his sheep, sometimes, you know, we're like, man, there was an earthquake. That must be God. Wow. Or, man, there was a spectacular thing. And certainly the Lord could speak through a spectacular thing. I mean, I'm not telling God how to do his job. If he needs to get your attention, by George, listen. You know, if he's got to yell at you to get your attention, that's usually not the first way he's trying to speak to you. But if it gets to that level, dear God, listen. Anyway, so <laughs> if you hear, if you got, if God's any time in scripture when they really hear God bellowing out of heaven, it's because it's real serious. And uh, you better listen at that point. But so much of the time, there's this gentle whisper. And that's how the father prefers to speak to the children. I would love it for my kids. I, I would love to just clean your room. <laughs> and just like, oh, that's the heart of the father. Wow. <laughs> You know, and they would just go do it. You know, hey, do your homework, man. If they would go do it, that would be so sweet. But usually at my house, you know, uh, it, it usually starts off, I don't, I don't like to yell, and I, I don't really yell very much, but usually it starts off with, hey, do your homework, after that, clean your room. Then usually maybe, per, you know, gets a little bit louder. But if it gets to the point with, clean your stinking room! Usually, like, you're in the danger zone because I'm really mad at that point, right? And so, certainly the Father is speaking, uh, but you, you can't say, well, gosh, what's wrong with you? Why are you so mad, man? Dude, I, I tried to talk to you 50 times in a really great, calm, and sweet way. I try to wake everybody up in a sweet way because I read some psychological study that the first you know, 30 seconds and the last 30 seconds of your day are really important to your mental health. And so, hey, 
I come in really sweet, but it usually escalates. <laughs> For those boys, it's a cup of water. Right in the head, yeah. Wow, yeah. No, I don't do that to my wife. I am not stupid. I, <laughs> like, Pastor Dave, how have you made it 18 years by not dumping water on my wife in the morning? <laughs> so it's not that hard. But anyway, um, where was I? So listen to me. Yeah. The Lord speaks through this still small. That's his preferred method, through the word of God and through this still small voice. And he says, hey, my sheep know my voice. This isn't, it's not that hard. My sheep know my voice. And so for you, the shepherd is speaking to you every single day. The more you ignore it, the more calloused your heart becomes, though. And after a while, it gets harder and harder to hear his voice because you're so used to ignoring it. Have you ever noticed that? That, you know, maybe there's someone that you just, you ignore them all the time anyway. And so after a while, like, well, oh, you, what, you said something? I'm sorry. And, you know, it sounds funny, but it's it's the truth. After a while, you know, you're just so used to ignoring them. Sadly, a lot of people do that with the voice of the shepherd. And like, hey, thanks for the warning here. You could have told me there was danger. And he's like, man, I've been trying to get your attention. I led, I kept putting these verses on your heart. The preacher kept preaching about that. You know, your your kids, your wife, your whatever. Kept, I, I kept trying to talk to you, but you wouldn't listen. Now you're going to blame me for your troubles? That's not fair. That's not right. And so I'm just telling you that, hey, a good shepherd, he provides the food, he provides the water, and he provides protection for us. And there's a lot of ways he can do that. One massive way, according to Jesus himself, the good shepherd, is that the sheep know his voice. He'll, he'll speak to you, but you've got to be listening. And it's really hard to hear the voice of God when you've got a million other voices that have access to your spirit, soul, and body every day. You've got blaring music playing, and maybe it's not even godly music. You've got, you know, hours and hours of internet every day, and maybe that's not godly. And, and you've got TV shows, and everybody's allowed to have access to speak into your life, so you just let anybody's opinion, you know, mean something. And you've got all these. It's really hard to hear the voice of the shepherd. You've got to quiet down. You need those green pastures and those still waters. You need, you need to get there. There's a way there. And for each of us, you may have to kind of see how in your life you're going to make time to get there. Because what works for me may not work for you. And I understand that, you know, I, I always talk about getting up early and that, that, that works for me. And some people that doesn't work for you, so stay up later at night. May, I'm just, whatever it takes to get there, get there. Amen? The shepherd can do what he needs to do. He can clean you up. He can groom you. He can feed you. He can water you. He can tell you the direction that you need for the next steps ahead. But you'll never hear that if you don't ever make some time to get there. Amen? And so I'm just closing it out with this tonight. The Lord is my shepherd. And I know he's your shepherd too. Amen? He's got some great things for you. Jesus is the good shepherd. He'll feed you. He'll water you. He'll protect you. He'll take care of you. Amen? But listen to his voice. Put a little bit in on your part too. Don't just, you know, lay it all in. Put a little bit on your part to get there and watch what he can do for you. Amen? Isn't God good? Hallelujah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise the Lord. He is good and His mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Amen.
Well, I'm going to have my prayer team come on up together tonight. Amen. And, uh, hey, if you're here and you need some prayer, if you uh, need a little agreement and faith on, on something you're facing, we want to be there for you. We'd love to pray for you tonight. And so uh, we'll take a few minutes here. I'll just have uh, Brother Tom play us a little bit of music tonight since Pastor Josh isn't here and I don't really want to go up there and strap the guitar on again. So uh, let's just take a minute here in the presence of the Lord. If you need prayer, come on up tonight. And if not, why don't you just talk to the shepherd for a minute where you're at? Wouldn't do any harm. Talk to the shepherd. Amen.
right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and uh, close out in prayer. Did anybody receive from the Word of God tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 23, it's fantastic. Well, we're going to close in prayer, and then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. And, of course, this Sunday, Julius and Ruth Marar will be here, and you don't want to miss them. I promise you. We're not just saying that. You really don't want to miss them. Uh, Julius is incredible, and Ruth's great, uh, great as well. But it's going to be a, a wonderful time together. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll do our Faith Confession, and you you can be dismissed this evening. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the Word of God tonight. And Lord, we declare that you are our shepherd, Lord. We don't lack anything, Lord. We've got everything we need right there. Lord, you feed us, you water us, you protect us, you provide for us, you do everything we need. And so we give you thanks for that. And may that revelation become stronger and stronger in our lives tonight, Lord. May we not just acknowledge that or just quote that verse, but let it be a reality to us, Jesus. Let us trust your word. We thank you that you are good. And Lord, uh, we ask that you would use us the rest of this week, Lord, uh, to be the light of the world. And especially as we're heading into this Easter season, we know that the harvest is great, but the laborers are few, Lord. So send us out there and let us do your work. We love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Everybody said, Amen. amen. All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. Amen. Let's go. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you this weekend.